Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are. In this country we call home, that being Australia, you are listening to The Breakfast Show on Positively Different Radio here with Lyle and... Mon, good morning. It is such a beautiful day. How gorgeous was that sunset this morning? It was amazing, except it wasn't this morning. Yeah, that's right. yesterday morning. <laughs> that's right. This is the delayed broadcast, and so if you don't want to be delayed and you want to be up with everybody else, you know what to do. We tell you every morning at the mm-hmm. beginning of the breakfast show, jump on faithfm.com.au or use the TuneIn app to listen to the show. It's a better way to listen to it anyway. You get a better signal that way, and it's not going to likely to drop out on you when you drive behind a mountain. Mm, do you know what? I was driving around yesterday around the Newcastle area, and I did notice a lot of dropping in and dropping out, and I thought, do you know what? Forget this, and I jumped on my tune app, and it was so much better. Yeah, perfect. The whole place. And do you know what? It's actually free to download, and all you need to do is search for Faith FM Australia when you get there, and then you're good to go. So we have an amazing program mm. coming up for you today. I know that because it's already happened. This is kind of like one of those time travel movies, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Okay, so it's already <laughs> happened. So let me tell you, we have Nicolene coming into the studio. All the way from South Africa. Yes, she's here on a uh, on a lecture tour, speaking about creation and science. Um, she's a lecturer in environmental sciences mm. and just a fascinating person, full of information. And we had a question from a listener that came in for our question of the day about that subject. And so we called Nicolene, who had had to move on to her next, uh, her next appointment. And she was able to answer that question, which was fantastic as well. Yeah, it was really great. I really enjoyed having her on today. Yeah. Yeah. We also uh, had a wonderful quiz, which you can be part of if only you were on the live show. And we had a free giveaway, mm-hmm. which you could also pick up if you're a part of the live show. Mm-hmm. And we, you could ask the question of the day if you were part of the live show too. I think it's just a better deal if you come and join us over on the live show right now. Absolutely. Why not? Okay. So we have uh, some news stories that we're going to be talking about as well. We're going to be talking about, uh, what are we going to talk mm, about? We're going to talk about uh, cars. Because you're a bit of a petrol We're going to talk about cars. We're going to talk about petrol. We're going to talk about diesel. We're going to talk about electricity mm-hmm. in relationship to cars and, and bears. motor vehicles. We're, yeah, I'm not sure how that, what has that to do with being <laughs> petrol head. But we're going to talk about bears. Bears are good. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we've got all this coming up in the show right after this. So don't go anywhere. Along with, of course, some great music. I think one of your favorite songs. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. The final gonna play it. It's called Lily and it's by Alison Brooke. And I'm so excited they're playing that. So t- stay tuned and we'll be playing that, uh, I think, halfway through the show. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we have our encounter with God where we are studying the book of Galatians. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We are back right after this. I'm a lily of a field so green Beautiful, content as can be I grow fair beside the river I grow bright for the giver Oh, oh, oh. 
You're listening to Alison Brooke here on Faith FM and Monica. I can see why that's one of your favourites. That was a really nice song. Isn't it great? I'm so yeah. loving they, they played it on our show. I hope they play it many more times, every day even. <laughs> okay, what have we got for our quiz today? Our quiz is a what am I quiz. I'm really excited. This is a very exciting quiz today. I really hope you don't get it. Okay, okay, hang on. Let me, let me you're have you're quick... hoping that I... That's kind of mean. Yeah, I know. I'm mean. Who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me see if I can just quickly read through them and see if there's a harder one to start with. Oh, no. I'll start with the usual one. Okay. Clue number one. Paul accused false brothers of being these for the purpose of making slaves of true believers. Paul accused false brothers of being these for the purpose of making slaves of true believers. Oh, no, I don't have it. Yes! <laughs> Lyle looks confused. Oh, I'm yeah. stoked. All right. If you know the answer, give me a call 1-800-FAITH-FM or text me 0491-064-669. 
even on our Facebook, you can message us, Faith FM Australia. If you get it right, I will send you a copy of the book, Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. It was recently uh, made into a film. Yes. By Mel Gibson. Um, actually, fantastic film. A lot of people, it's their all-time favourite now. And uh, and this book, um, would you say it's better than the film or just as good? Or The book's always better than the film. book's always better than the yeah. film. There's way more there information here. There are stories in here that the film doesn't include. And one of the reasons why Mel Gibson chose not to include some of these stories is because he felt it would make his movie too unbelievable. Even though it is actually a true story yeah, from start that's to right. finish. So if you really want to hear the true story and some of the absolutely phenomenal stuff that came out as a result of um, uh, Desmond Doss's actions in Okinawa during the Second World War, uh, where he won the Congressional Medal of Honor um, as a non-combatant. Yep, he was uh, the first conscientious objector to receive the Medal of Honor, and this is his story, Desmond yeah. Doss. So if you'd like to get a copy of that, just be the first person through with the answer to the quiz. I'll give you another clue in the next segment. But Lyle, yes, let me tell you some good news. As I a, like good news. This as is a petrol different. This is positive. Oh, I get the petrol news. Yeah, this is petrol news. Actually, okay. maybe you won't think it's good news because you are such a petrol. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Yeah. How much do you expect to pay for a brand spanking new car? A uh, brand spanker, maybe 50 grand. What's the, what do you reckon is the cheapest you could get a brand spanking new car? Well, some of these Chinese cars coming out very cheap. I haven't actually looked at the price of a new Chinese car, but they are really cheap. I think they're in the t- you know somewhere in the teens. Okay, let me tell you that they have now had the world's first mass-produced 3D printed car. <laughs> it's electric and it costs under ten thousand dollars. So I can just buy a 3D printer. Hit control P on my computer and voila, there's a car. You drive away. Uh, not quite. So this is an Italian-based electric car company. So you know it's going to be pretty cute. Actually, here, let me show you a picture. Look at that. Isn't that cute? Yeah, yeah, that is. That, well, it's, that typical, uh, wonderful Italian styling that we uh-huh. love their cars so much for. I don't like the front of it very much. Oh, calm it down. It looks like one of those taxis over there. They're calm weird. down. They've got these little headlights. They're like, like so there's big a, eyes. There's a 3D printing uh, But company. I do like the size and the shape of it. I like small cars. My first car was a Mini. Oh, really? My, my first two cars were minis. How awesome did you cars. fit in a mini? Because you're quite tall. Hey, lots of big guys own small cars. <laughs> Whatever. All right. So there's a 3D printing it's company tall guys, I called say. Polymaker. And they achieved this tiny but adorable car called the LSEV. Mm-hmm. It's the first mass production car. Um, and <laughs> this is so cool. Get this. This car, when printed, weighs just, just around 450 kilos. That's a lot less than my mini weight. It takes three days to print and it costs under $10,000. They say the secret lies in the 3D printing process itself. So the company managed to shrink the number of plastic components that go into the vehicle from 2,000 components to just 57 components, (laughs) making it much faster and cheaper to print, but also lighter. I mean, this is excluding like the chassis, the seats, the glass panes, but every visible part of the car is 3D printed. There you go. But you know when you know that's about I'd say at least half the weight of my mini when I was at, when I was at TAFE when I was an apprentice many many years ago. Mm-hmm. All of my friends one day they picked up my mini and put it in the middle of the garden, <laughs> carried it away. <laughs> those things are pretty solid, right? They are heavy. Yeah. They're made out of steel. Yeah. I mean, those things are made. They're not of, that was back around. in the day. There was no plastic back what in. What was those its days. top speed? We won't go into that. Yeah. <laughs> Lyle. Those things well, are lightning quick. With the uh, with the LS 
EV. This is like to just to clarify. This is not a sports car. It's an Italian show. It's Italian printed car, but it's not a sports car. So its top speed is around seven seventy k's an hour. Yes, and my mini would absolutely smash that. that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and because it is electric, a single charge will cover about one hundred and fifty k's. So it's not good if you want to like you know drive interstate, but it's great if you live in a city and you just want to zip around a crowded town. So hey, I could drive that to work and back. I know it's yeah, and you know what? That's really cheap for a brand new car. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that uh, something positive is being done for the environment. I love new technology, even though I am Same. a petrol head. I just love new technology that's really cool. You know, you look at these Teslas and stuff like that. I don't want, mm-hmm. can't afford one. But yes. <laughs> if anyone wants one. to donate one, we're <laughs> open, 1-800-FAITH-FM. <laughs> Have you sat is in it? a Tesla? Yes. Yeah, it's cool, eh? Very cool. I love how the windscreen just seems to go forever. Yeah. It's yeah. super cool. You wouldn't want to shatter that, though. <laughs> but it's good to see positive things being done for our environment because God made mm. us protectors of the environment and stewards of the environment. Exactly. And uh, and these are these are positive things, you know? And speaking of stewardship of the environment, I have another good news story for you. This one actually amazed me. Um, so I'm sure you're aware of the disgusting uh, cruelty of dancing bears. Mm-hmm. So these uh, hunters go out into the, uh, into the wilderness and the jungles, um, you know, in parts of Asia. They kill the mother bear. They poach the baby bears. They get hot iron rods and stab it through the muzzles and then and then they just treat the bears with horrible cruelty, um, basically teaching them how to dance for tourists. And tourists actually are uh, have, a, have a lot to be blamed for when it comes to the disgusting practices that happen in other countries. It's not so much, you know, stewardship of your own country, but when you go traveling, you have to be mindful that you're not encouraging a disgraceful practice, a disgraceful business, such as paying people, you know, who make their bears dance. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, it's mm-hmm. cute. It has a pet. No, that, that animal's usually been tortured and it's, and it's quite horrible and violent mm-hmm. what they do. Anyway, the good news about the dancing bears, um, the last known dancing bears of Nepal have been rescued. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I remember when I was a child and going through the, sh- you know, the shopping centres and the supermarkets and they had those little booths in the middle. And, you know, and I remember in, in my... In my preteens, there was often a lot in the news about dancing bears and there was a bigger bit of a campaign to just shut that whole thing down. Mm, and mm. it's finally come good now and they now have the last two um, two sloth bears named Ragalila and Shidira mm-hmm. and, uh, and they were rescued from um, captivity just recently um, from in, in accordance with the 1973 Wildlife Protection Act in, in Nepal. And uh, yeah, and the bears, they're a little bit shy, but they're, uh, they're doing all right. They're um, sort of coming out of their psychological condition and they're starting to act more bearish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as soon as they are rehabilitated, they'll be released into the wild. Ah, oh, fantastic. That's always a good news story. Yeah. And actually, hey, what about this story in uh, Western Australia? Yeah, got, I'm just about to hit you with that one. Yeah, because yeah, this one's about yeah, there's, diesel. There's actually a lot of good news I happening told today. I, was, I told you I was grateful for diesel, yeah, didn't I? It's actually another petrol story. Well, well diesel. Diesel. Fuel. Another diesel. fuel story. Another diesel. fuel story. Right. So there's a Western Australian farmer. Woohoo! WWA. I love WA. Because uh, that's where I'm from. Anyway, <laughs> I know you're, you're always plugging second, Tasmania. Second, second best to Tasmania. Oh, please. Okay, so Western Australian farmer out in a tiny little town called Kananop. Kanopin. Now, I thought you would be able to pronounce this. To be Being honest, a native Western Australian, um, I thought you would be able to point this one out on the map and just say, oh, yeah, I know where that is. I've been there many times. No, actually, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I've never heard of this place. That's how small it is. It's a small town. There's it has, lots of small a hospital. T- WA is a huge place. It is. It's like the, what's the biggest state in Australia, right? Yeah. And there's so many small towns. It does have a little Texas hospital. Texas is in it. 
you could. It's huge. And uh, and in this small town, they actually had um, a freak weather event uh, just recently. And uh, and the town's hospital uh, was having a power loss over the Easter weekend. And uh, the emergency generator ran out of fuel um, during the 48-hour power cut. And a, a gentleman farmer, Mr. Jeff Waters, put up his hand and donated 600 litres of diesel to keep that thing going. And if he hadn't kept that going, of course, in that very, very inclement weather they were having, they would have had to transport all of those mm-hmm. patients within that hospital uh, by road to, you know, the next nearest hospital. Long, 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 long. He's 130, uh, oh, no, hang on, 130, uh, no, that's sorry, 130 kilometres was how fast the wind was going. But hospitals are very... Um, very needful of power because, you know, they have a lot of medications and vaccines that are all going to be refrigerated and as soon as it gets like even a little bit too hot for them, they actually go off. So, yeah, it would have had to have been um, a long, long trip for those poor patients to get to the next nearest hospital. So, yeah, the, the kindness of strangers and the kindness, I want to say, of Western Australians is, uh, <laughs> is legendary. Fantastic. Yeah, so lots of good news today. you just got to go out and find it. And uh, I hope you are having a good news as well. And your life, if you have one, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, and tell us all about your good news. Here is Alison Krause.
And this was Alison Krauss. Well, we have some more news stories coming up, but before we do, another clue from the quiz. What? And this one's got me really stumped this morning. For a second there, I'm like, oh no, where I, where did I put my card? Because I, <laughs> I hid it underneath my computer so you wouldn't see the oh, answer. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, where should. did I stick it? Where did I stick it? I'm just look for it next time. Okay. I want to hide it somewhere else then. What am I? Clue number one. Paul accused false brothers of being these for the purpose of making slaves of true believers. Clue number two. The teachers of the law and the chief priest used these to help find a way to arrest Jesus. Ba, ba, ba. Yeah, I'm starting to get there, but I'm not there yet. Not 100% sure, no, I am. I would not. I would not <laughs> hazard a guess at this particular point, but I've got a. I need to take idea. a picture of your confused face. Oh, that's not it's so much better than your <laughs> smug face. Your smug face when you just yell out the answer before they even finish reading the clue. If you think you know the answer to that one, the teachers yeah. of the law and the chief priest used these to help find a way to arrest Jesus. Give me a call one eight hundred Faith FM or text me zero four nine one. 064669 or you can jump on our Facebook Faith FM Australia let me know the answer and I will send you a copy of Hero of Hacksaw Ridge which is the gripping true story behind the movie Hacksaw Ridge that recently came out made by Mel Gibson it's the official um True story of Desmond Doss, who was the first conscientious objector to receive the Medal of Honor. There you go. So if you know the quiz, look it up and see if you can get in before I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So what we've we got some uh, a couple of other interesting stories here. Okay. So this one, uh, Mon. Yes. They did some research in the United States, um, Arizona State University. Um, a professor, Sarah Brownhill, did this uh, research on self-perceived intelligence. Self-perceived intelligence. Yes. So how intelligent do you perceive yourself? Do you perceive yourself as being average or below average or above average? Oh, wow. Where where do you perceive yourself? It's difficult because I feel like in some areas I might excel and in some areas I really don't. Let's say you're just sitting in a classroom and compared to your other classmates in the classroom, where would you position yourself? Depends on how much I apply myself. (laughs) 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 Maybe average. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's, do you know what? There's always going to be someone smarter than you. Uh-huh. There might not be someone dumber than you, though. <laughs> you know where about, I put myself? Where? Above average. Oh, well, you know, better to be honest. So. Okay, so this is what they found, and mm-hmm. probably not surprisingly. And by the way, this research did start before Donald Trump came to power. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> I like how you put the disclaimer in there. Okay, okay so. Go ahead. Um, there's a gender split. There's a gender split. Yes. Okay. So nearly seventy percent of males see themselves as being above average, mm-hmm. and females seem to see themselves as being about average. Wow, this is not new because men and women do this exact same thing with almost every kind of self evaluation, whether or not it's their looks or whether or not it's their performance, not just their intelligence. I mean, look at the two of us. At uh-huh. the end of every day, we rate our show out of one to ten as a way to assess ourselves. My score is always it's lower always than your lower. score. Every single uh-huh. time it's mm-hmm. lower. You know, there's a lesson from this, and the lesson that I learned from this is that when God created male and female, mm-hmm. and he created marriage, and he created men and women to be together, mm-hmm. it was to balance each other out. And as human beings, we balance each other out. And I found that in my marriage relationship, 
typically, as a man, I will overrate myself, and my wife is great uh, uh, at pulling me back down to reality. <laughs> keeping your feet firmly on the ground. But there's occasions <laughs> when she will underrate herself, mm-hmm. and so then that's my job to lift her back up again. And Keep so when wings. you get the, the, the two together like that, in the marriage relationship, as God designed it, it creates perfect balance. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So God knew what he was doing uh-huh. when he put us together. He's uh-huh. like, yeah, I've created man and he thinks a bit too much of himself, so I'll create women. <laughs> <laughs> we have a firmer grasp on reality. <laughs> and, uh, it seems that uh, because women rate themselves at around about the um, 50% mark, that mm-hmm. they actually have a grasp of reality because that's actual reality. Okay. And whereas men um, sort of probably don't. <laughs> I think they're pretty great. Reality. Have you seen Have you seen that cartoon image where it has a man and a woman standing side by side, looking in full length mirrors, and the I man have. the man has the paunch and he's a bit saggy, but in the reflection he sees like this bodybuilder physique, <laughs> and the woman she's like got like a model physique, and she looks in the mirror and her reflection is this like you know paunchy overweight woman. It's yeah. Yes. Yeah, so how different? It's interesting how, 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 how our minds are different, but how they perceive themselves. Mm. <clears throat> okay, so I've got another story here on. Uh, on scamming, and this is in relationship to uh, romance scams, and romance scams are uh, costing Australians a lot of money. Mm, it's so heartbreaking when you hear yeah. about this. So in January this year, it cost Australians um, two, $2 million. In February, it cost, two and a half, cost Australians $2.5 million that were lost to romance scams, um, which is an increase of between 200 and nearly $400,000 over the previous year. Oh, my. So people are not waking up to romance scams. Mm -hmm. And this is really, really heartbreaking because, you know, people are really cashing in on, you know, the weakest of the the, the most vulnerable aspects of uh, our human nature. And so there's a couple of things that are well worth looking out for in relationship to these. Um, Things to where you will first find the, the, the first warning sign. So the first one is isolation. Mm-hmm. And so this takes place when the romance scammer will draw you away from the um, the program or the app, the 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 the, uh, the website that was used as the initial point of contact. Okay. And say, so, well, let's, let's let's talk by email mm-hmm. uh, because there are built-in safety. Mm-hmm. Um, mechanisms within those websites mm-hmm. to stop people asking for money. So if you've met on eHarmony and suddenly this yeah. person is saying, hey, let's let's take this offline and go chat on email. You've suddenly lost all of your built-in safety net. Okay, yeah. And that's the first sign that this could be a romance. It doesn't say that it is, but it could be. Mm-hmm. Okay, the second thing is a monopolization. So the first thing they'll do is get you, uh, is isolate you. The second thing, and they'll also try and isolate you from friends and family because they don't want you talking to their friends and family about you. They don't want you talking to, you know, if you've got children, they don't want you talking to your children about, about them because... Uh, one of the easiest ways that these guys get revealed is when you start talking to somebody else and they go, ah, wait a minute, that sounds like a scam. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, your friends are usually <laughs> more clear-headed. Their emotions aren't yeah. invested in it. They're not, they don't have rose-colored glasses on. Yeah. Yeah, and so they, if they say, like, you're an adult woman, you don't need to be talking to other people about our relationship. We can keep it between us. Then that's a warning sign right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, monopolization, uh, when they will try and, Absorb your attention all day long. 
Okay. And so they will know when you're online. They will know when you're on Facebook. They will um, be constantly monitoring your actions because the more they can monopolize your time, the less you can uh, mix with, in, interact with others and possibly expose them. Okay, but the, to some degree, that does sound like a chick who's into some guy and kind of stalking him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this is why it becomes, this is why it can be dangerous. Mm hmm. Is because yeah, it can look it's, it's like, like great, yes, it can look like love. Yeah, it, it, it looks like and 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 many of these things look much the same because obviously if you're going to have a relationship, you need to have private conversations. That's mm-hmm. what a relationship mm-hmm. is all about. Um, and so they're like, yeah, let's have a private conversation. But it's a, it can sometimes be a warning warning sign as well. The third thing is degradation, Degra- where they'll actually tr- start to put you down and make you feel insecure. Oh. Um, mixed with emotional or interpersonal withdrawal. So they will pull away and then come back and pull away and start mm-hmm. playing games with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are all techniques that are used um, in which to entrap you and to get you hooked in and keep going and getting more and more desperate and to the point where you actually start sending money. That's insane. And yeah, two and a, two, 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 nearly two and a half million dollars lost uh, this last month in February um, as a result of romance scams. We need to be aware of romance scams. If you think you're involved with one, give us a call. We can help you out. This is Andy McLeod. Without 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Andy McLeod, Beyond Where Eagles Dare, here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are. Do we have time for a quick quiz question? Oh, come on. Quick I'll do quiz a quick clue. one. All right. Okay, what am I? Joseph accused his brothers of being these... Yeah, I'm just I'm You're still, still confused. I'm right. so stoked. But, um, the reason I'm confused, this is my excuse, is because we have a super exciting person here in the studio who oh, has come right. to join us. Blame the guest. <laughs> uh, Nicolene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lyle. Now, Nicolene is a lecturer in environmental sciences, is that correct? That is correct. And from your accent, I take it that you are not from this country? I am. Don't hear an accent here. I hear an accent on your side. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts are you from? From South Africa, Pretoria. Whereabouts? Oh, Pretoria. Okay, that's nice. right. Now you have an interest in uh, creation science. I understand you've written a book on creation and science and so forth. That is right. How did you? How did you? What, what I want to know is is how you came to actually have an interest in this in the first place. And so that, that sort of leads me to my first question: is you know how did you come to God and, and a relationship with God? Well, I've always believed. In God, it's, mm-hmm. I can't remember a time not believing in Him, and um, but I just never had the complete truth. Okay. So I grew up, grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church, mm-hmm. and um, I was confronted by the truth in uh, it's probably about 2010, 2011, when I got hold of a set of CDs by or DVDs by Mark Woodman called God's Final Call. Sure, and uh, that sort of ripped the carpet out from underneath me mm-hmm. and opened up my eyes to a whole new world. And in that very time, I uh, my children were getting a little bit bigger, and uh, you know I was seeing how they are. Exposed to evolution and long ages. Mm-hmm. And a little while before that, I found the truth um, concerning creation of a young earth. Okay, so this was something that, uh, so you've always been, you've, you grew up in a Christian home, obviously, yes. uh, with the Dutch Reform. Now, the um, the congregation that you were a part of, did they not have a strong stand on creation? No, we hardly ever spoke about it. There's a lot of compromise. I can never say that I learned anything regarding creation through our church. Mm-hmm. This was all done through private study on my own. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it was a whole new world that opened up. And I was basically searching for easy-to-find information or easily understandable information for my children to mm-hmm. make it uh, easier for Tell them. Tell us about your family. Oh, I've got a son and a daughter. My my son is age 16 and my daughter is 18. She's just finished her matric. Nice. And uh, they both love the Lord dearly. Yeah. And uh, they, they stand for truth, which doesn't make it very easy for them in, in the world today. Sure, sure. So uh, the book was basically written with them in mind. There you go. You wrote, it, wrote a book for your children. <laughs> I did. But it was <laughs> fantastic. Just going back to what you said there about standing for truth in your children, but it wouldn't have been very easy for you to stand for truth either because I'm sure that when you went to school and got your, your education, you would have been taught, especially because you, you studied sciences, you would have been taught a lot of evolution and that kind of thing, right? Yes, it's like my ears were just closed up to the concept of evolution. I never really believed in evolution as such, but the concept of long ages sort of stuck with me. So it's kind of a theistic evolution, a form of theistic evolution? Yes, I never even knew that I was one, but I think by default that is what we all really were when we are not exposed to creation science because you're only exposed to one side and the whole objective of this book is just to present the other side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we want to raise critical thinkers and we we can't raise critical thinkers if we don't expose them to both sides of the story. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is just the other side. Yeah, it fantastic. Side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I love the way that, um, and, and I guess this is the way that I look at, you know, science and studying of the, particularly the natural world and origins and so forth is, you know, we all as, you know, all scientists share the same evidence. 
Yes. The evidence mm-hmm. doesn't change because no. evidence is evidence. It's just there. Yes. It's the interpretation of the evidence and so often we don't hear the alternative interpretation. Exactly. Mm. And because we don't hear the alternative, we assume that there is no alternative. Exactly. Yes, because yeah. the facts don't speak for themselves. They need to be interpreted and that is again influenced by your worldview. How old were your children when you first started to become interested in creation oh, science? Oh, I'm going to have to do some sums. I can't remember. But they were quite <laughs> young and they got very used to, to seeing my back. Unfortunately, it was a lot of work. So, uh, you know, they couldn't wait for me to finish. And I, I, I just never finish. I'm still busy. and <laughs> just never finishes. Sure, it's sure. just one of those subject fields where I've, uh, I always see myself as a student until yeah. the day that I die. We will be learning and learning. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, if you would like to, uh, to see the uh, copy of um, Nicolene's book, you can see it on our Facebook page. And you can contact us here if you would like to get a copy. We'll figure out a way of you being able to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I do think it is actually um, very important. Like you said, we often don't hear the flip side, the other side of the story. And I've long been of the opinion that when it comes to science and creation, it needs to have a louder voice in church and in religion. Because I feel like one of the biggest tools the devil used to attack our young people and our students, particularly our student-aged um, congregation, is through uh, evolution and through science because they make it sound so intelligent and you have these huge big thinkers like, you know, Stephen Hawking and, and uh, what's that other guy? Um, Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins, Dawkins and, yeah. you know, and they're famed and yet we don't seem to have like the flip side to that. I mean, we do, we just don't declare it from the mountaintops and I've always thought, you know, we have such wonderful truth in this, in this, uh, in this, in this topic why aren't we proclaiming it louder so in this book you know is this something that that people can use to 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 educate themselves and to educate others as a witness tool or absolutely it's it's i would say it's more of a reference book the Mm -hmm. information is vast and it covers many subject fields so it's not something you're going to read once you're going to go back to it all the time and I uh, every every chapter I have listed all the relevant uh, references that were needed. But uh, by the way, you know, Christians built the first hospitals and the mm. universities, and since the foundations of all the various scientific disciplines, including biology, geography, astronomy, chemistry, and maths, were laid down by people who believed in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, Christians were also the first real scientists. So there is this idea in the world that people who believe in creation can't be true scientists, but that is certainly disputed by people like Louis Pasteur and Isaac Newton, Johann Kepler, Robert Boyle, etc. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. They, a few of them are listed in the book, but that's not nearly a complete list. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and and when you look at you know, as you say, most, so so many of those disciplines were invented by Christians, and exactly. God created a world full of information. He created us with an inquiring mind, and study of the sciences is just an amazing thing. It's an opportunity that we Absolutely. should all just because it it is all a revelation of God. Yes, that's right. That yeah. should be the objective of science. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> What is your favorite part in this book? I'm just flicking through it. This book actually looks amazing. It's it's colorful and it has all different kinds of graphs and diagrams and illustrations. And, and I'm ha- so happy to see Bible verses in a science <laughs> book, I have to admit. <laughs> well, I have to say it would probably be chapter six, which deals with the logistics of the ark. Because so many of us wonder... How on earth did everything fit in? What sure. did they eat? How did they survive after the flood? How, how can we explain all the races and uh, 
uh, land animals today just coming from the ark. Have you been to um, Have you been to Ken Ham's ark? In, oh, uh, I would love to go. Yeah, it's on our bucket <laughs> list as well. We were talking about this on the show the other morning, and, and, and Monica and myself. Okay, so there's now three of us that have it on our bucket list. <laughs> Definitely on my bucket yeah. list. I'd love to see that. But you know, we've got logical answers, and we have a logical, rational faith, and people yeah. need to understand that. We yeah. need to educate ourselves with the truth, because if we can't believe Genesis one verse one as it is written. Why should we believe the rest? Sure, absolutely. Now, you're a lecturer in environmental sciences. Um, in, the, in, in the university um, um, whole scene, do you get the opportunity to be able to share your faith well, and you know, an alternative interpretation, or do you just have to run with, you know, the university says you've got to pull the, uh, put the, um, the evolutionary model out there, and so you've got to run with it. How does that work? Luckily, in my specific field, which is, is plant studies, we don't necessarily deal with that anymore. But I know that coming through the system, it is part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And my mentor that I work with is actually, you know, he's very open to creation, but also stuck in the long, a- long ages. Mm-hmm. But um, I have opportunities now during our practical sessions to you know, ask the student questions. And we do that often just driving around, you know, going out in the field and and I just prompt them with a few questions. And you won't believe how quickly they jump onto the subject. And there's always opportunity to witness. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes works on a one-on-one or one-on-three basis, but I can't necessarily present that uh, in, in a form. How, how do young people respond when you present scientific reasons for creation today? They are so open and in awe because they they don't know anything about it so they are certainly willing to listen we sure. just need to supply them with the relevant information and do you find that um, secularism is on the rise definitely oh mm. absolutely yeah well that's fantastic we've um, we're going to take a short break at this particular time and we're going to listen to Abby Eaton man of sorrows we're going to be back right after that break and Nicolene is going to be sharing with us so much more about her work and what she's doing here in Australia in relationship to uh, this particular uh, book that she's written this is Abby Eaton
That was Abby Eden, Man of Sorrows, here on Faith FM, and we have Nicolene still with us for the second part of this interview, and she's lecturing in environmental sciences from South Africa. Whereabouts in South Africa? In Pretoria. Yeah, oh, you still live in Pretoria. Still you, live in you mentioned Pretoria. you came from Pretoria, but you've, yes. uh, you've always lived in Pretoria? Yes, yep. most of my life, yes. Okay, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so have you been doing a bit of a tour promoting this book? Yes, we've actually just started. Uh, oh, we're just starting with the lectures tonight, so we'll be here throughout April promoting this uh, material. So where will you be heading to, to, where will you be presenting tonight? All right, tonight we're going to be at Warhope. Um, yeah. That's That'll be in the Seventh Avenue Church at Warhope? That is correct. Yep. Um, and will you be there over the weekend or just the one presentation there before moving on? Or? That'll be tonight and tomorrow. And then on Sunday, we're going to be at Yarra Valley in Victoria. Oh, Yarra Valley. Okay. And then next weekend, Friday and Saturday, we'll be at the Basin Romanian ECA Church, also in Victoria. So what we might do is we might just grab your itinerary and throw it up on our Facebook page. Mm. Oh, that would be and great. Can go Thank along. you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, come just, along. Just shoot that through, through <laughs> for us on email and we'll put that, uh, that itinerary up there. Right. And people can find out where you are. Yes. And when you're going to be in their area. So you're doing New South Wales, you're doing Victoria, any yes. other states? And then we're going to be back in, in Sydney Friday the 20th, 21st at Warunga Church. And then lastly, we're flying over to Christchurch for a whole week uh, program from Monday the 23rd of April until Saturday the 28th of April. Fantastic. What, what kind of subjects are you going to be speaking on? Well, uh, we're covering about seven lectures, which makes for about seven hours wow. of presentations, which will break up into half an hour sessions since people, they don't concentrate that long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it comes to creation science, it's one of those subjects. I can sit there for an hour. Oh, no problem. great. great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So we're covering in the first lecture, it's a bit of an introduction, looking at the various types of sciences, uh, the Big Bang, irreducible complexity, and, you know, basically an explanation of why Do you why believe in the Big believe. Bang? Oh, no. I, b- I believe in the Big Bang. You do? Yeah, absolutely. Just a different kind of Big Bang. Well, you know, God said it and bang there it was. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> certainly agree with you on that. <laughs> what time is your session tonight? That Oh, um, I think it's 7 o'clock. Oh, I'm going to have to... Just make sure about that. We can Evening presentations usually start at 7 o'clock. You'd be pretty safe at 7 o'clock, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. That should, should, yeah. that should be safe. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get that itinerary up for you so that um, you. you can um, jump on the Facebook page there and have a look. Okay, okay, so you're looking at the Big Bang. You're looking at yes. irreducible complexity. Yes. Explain to me what that is. Those are big words right oh, there. Oh, yeah. It is, it is a bit of a big word. It basically just boils down to something that cannot be derived from numerous successes of slight modifications. So you've got a, a system that is irreducibly complex you cannot take away one part of it because then it can't function the way that it should function right for example the cell sure. it could not have been derived by numerous slight successive modifications to structures it had to have been complete all at once fully mm-hmm. functioning within a fully functioning human being otherwise it could not work at all yeah we don't see brick walls coming out of explosions in brick factories exactly. do we exactly <laughs> and a brick wall is a pretty basic structure yes. compared to a cell isn't it <laughs> very basic yeah and then our second lecture we touch on uh, various definitions looking at mutations and natural selection and what was the original biblical created kinds and and we need to understand that so that we can understand the logistics of the ark and what exactly was on the ark. Is it on the species this level? This is one of your favorite subjects. Yeah, <laughs> you can see, <laughs> get all fired up with that one. So uh, if we understand a little bit more about classification, taxonomy. Oh, hey, here's a question. Yeah. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs. Oh, dinosaurs will definitely. Yes. Your, talk your, about your, your opinion <laughs> on the 
ark or not on the ark? Uh, definitely on the ark. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because we envision these huge animals. But uh, if we consider that the animals on the ark was probably young. Yep. And small. Mm. Uh, why wouldn't you just take eggs? Yes. Well, yeah, you could do that. But even the largest dinosaur used to be small, just yeah. like we used to be small. Yeah. So the smaller ones, uh, I'm going to talk about that. I don't want to give too much away about okay. the size of the of the dinosaurs. It's much smaller, the average size, than what most people think. Yeah, because when we're growing up as kids, we just get fascinated with, you know, mm-hmm. T-Rex yes. and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's all the big nasty Yes. Ones and, and, and we those build them up in our minds to be these huge monsters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there was, they there were was huge. Big, they were, they were yes. huge. There was definitely some big creatures back definitely. then, but there was also a lot of small ones as well. Oh, for sure. And obviously, with you know the reptiles, interestingly, the longer they live, the longer they grow. Uh, they continue to grow mm-hmm. as long as they live, which is opposite to mammals, which stop at some stage. Yep. So it just oh. follows the longer they live, the larger they grew. Okay, what comes next after the, uh, after the ark? And the uh, after the ark? Uh, well, we talk about fossils and evidence for a young world, also touching on radiometric dating, which is a bit of a scary subject for most people, but it's so important to understand the assumptions that it's mm-hmm. based on. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that, they're making assumptions based on other assumptions uh, that is very unscientific. Yeah, based uh, on assumptions not that objective at all. <laughs> God does not exist. That's right. That's, That's the, right. the basic assumption before it, and all things continue as they were from the beginning. Yes. You know, I find it fascinating with with you know radiometric dating and some of the, some of these things. This is prophesied in the Bible. God said these are the arguments that they will use yes. at the end of time, and now it's the end of time, and now they're using and these they're arguments. And they're convincing, you know, and it's uh, the <coughs> sort of lingo that we don't talk about every day, um, and you know. Don't understand it you just get uh, bogged down by by the scientific terms and when somebody says something with enough confidence i find yes. that a lot of people just mm. assume that it's true because That's the right. person has so much confidence in it Absolutely. but uh it's you know, how they sell it as opposed to what they're selling yes yeah can i ask you a question yeah. um you know if someone is a is a, a christian believer or a believer of any description you know doesn't necessarily want to subscribe to evolution, but is finding it difficult to sort of approach that subject. Because because in my mind, when I think about creation versus evolution, it's such a huge topic to undertake. Yes. But if I wanted to study it for myself, or if somebody listening decides, you know what, I'd like to, you know, figure this out, learn more about it, but, you know, they're not a scientist, where do they start? With my book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect answer. <laughs> well, that was the whole objective because it's such mm-hmm. a scary subject and intimidating. I wanted to write a book that is a scientific book but that doesn't talk on that very high scientific level. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make it available for the non-scientist. And the fact is, it's not really about whether we're interested in the subject or not, but rather that each and every one of us as Christians have a huge responsibility mm. to teach the children that God entrusted to us, we need to teach them the truth. So it's not a matter of, oh, I'm not really interested. We should be interested because it's dealing with God's word. It's mm. dealing with the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to supply those answers to the people around us, asking us, but why is there that hope in you? Why do you trust and believe in the word of God as you do? And we need to be able to supply relevant answers. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I think that's important not just to educate our kids, but also to educate ourselves. So when people yes. ask us, when non-believers ask us, we don't sound like morons. That's right. Yeah. That's you know, if we're expecting people to base their life on the you know on this christian faith we need to give them solid answers that they rational can, yeah answers. rational answers they can build their life on that's right so you've got this book there that takes all of the fear out of um you know the whole creation <laughs> science debate 
um, let's say that you meet an atheist on the street. Let's say you meet me on the street and I'm an atheist and and, and I'm like, hey, you know, I, I believe in evolution. You believe in creation. Uh, in five minutes, tell me, you know, why you believe in creation. Where would you actually start that conversation? Well, it's interesting that they always say that they believe in evolution. Okay, so you start by talking about belief. Yes, it's a faith. Yeah. And the next thing they will say, well, it's no, it's, it's science versus religion. It's not science versus religion. It's the scientific view of one of of, yeah. of biblical theism versus the scientific view of materialism, mm-hmm. atheism. Mm-hmm. And you need to investigate both sides to make a rational conclusion. You can't only look at one side. So I would obviously try and, if they're open to it, you know, just uh, tell me one thing that I don't need to take on faith. If I wanted to believe your point of view, okay. So can that's you an interesting question. Yes. Tell me, me one anything. thing. Tell me one thing. Yes. That I don't need to take on faith. On faith. Because no one can go back billions of years to see whether a big bang took place. We don't have I eyewitness. To, we don't have yes. eyewitness tes- testimony. Exactly. We need eyewitness testimony. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> so in our last minute. Tell just me one thing. I was just going through my head. <laughs> I'm sort of thinking here. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm going, to, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Yes. And I'm going to see if I can back, you know, well, Nicolene into know. a corner. <laughs> and, and, and in her first, her first sentence, she's gone. And I'm going, wait a minute. From an evolutionary perspective... I can't answer that question. Maybe you can answer that question. Give us a call if you can. <laughs> We'd love to hear what you've got to say. 1-800-324-843 or 0491064669 if you'd like to text us a message through. And uh, we'll put it in there for question of the day. And if you get if you send one of those questions through, we might even have Nicolene come through. And uh, if, I don't know whatever the, her time allows or not, but we could even have her answer that Just in the last 20 seconds, tell us quickly where we can get a copy of this book. All right. My website, I think that's the easiest, www.creation dash skipping s-k-e-p-p-i-n-g dot c-o dot z-a Who made the mountain who made the tree? Who made the river flow to the sea? And who hung the moon in the starry sky? Somebody bigger than you and I. Who makes the flowers? Bloom in the spring Who writes the song for The robin to sing And who sends the rain When the earth is dry Somebody bigger Than you and I He lights the way when the road is long He keeps you company And with His love to guide you He walks beside you just 